Welcome back to Obscure Broadcasting's podcast, Famous Last Words. Today we are talking about from 1975, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is kind of not a horror movie. My name is Andrew. And I'm Teresa. So this one was, we wanted to include this one because one, a horror director kind of has remade this as a horror TV show, which neither of us have watched. Um, This movie is 100% horrific. And the way that what happens to the characters throughout. Um, I guess it's more of an examination also on where drama ends and where horror begins and how that crosses over. Um, do you feel like this movie is a horror movie in any sort of way? Yeah, it, it follows the same pattern of like tension and release. And I think the real life horrors of um, like the mental health institution system especially in it's set in like the 60s right Mm -hmm. especially in the 60s you know is horrific and the things that they were doing with shock treatment like electric shock treatment was just it feels like a horror film and the fact that it's it was real is just like mind-blowing so even though this is not part of the horror genre we wanted to talk about it for those reasons and because we decided not to talk about The Shining um, as its own film, its own day. and But we did want to recognize the character acting of Jack Nicholson. And I think he's also a little like, creepy in this too. Well, for sure. And I think that like there's a part of Jack Nicholson's approach in at least the 70s and 80s during like between here and The Shining and maybe beyond that where he played relatable working class people, people who you could meet um, on the street, but also people who were unhinged from like the system and unhinged, like just a little bit outside of like the purview of like regular upstanding people. Um, I think that this is Jack Nicholson at his, at his very best. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good in, in five easy pieces. He's really good and uh, as good as it gets, but I think this is him. At his, he's good in the shining. This is him at his very best. Yeah. Yeah, he has a nice balance of what you're saying, like kind of a working class hero and a little bit of an unhinged maniac. It's interesting, too. Um, I I wonder now if these days Jack Nicholson become, can become a movie star. Can Dustin Hoffman become a movie star? Can Al Pacino become... Because uh, maybe with the exception of Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman and... And Jack Nicholson look like very average looking guys, like even at their like youngest, most kind of like attractive, like they look like regular, normal guys. If we think about the movie stars we have now, like Jack Nicholson, no disrespect to him, does not look like Channing Tatum. And like, you know, I mean, like or even Bradley Cooper, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, like they I wonder if there's there was a place in the 70s where where average looking guys with good talent, great talent could make it. Yeah. I think it has to do with the kinds of films that were being made during that era. It's like a lot of book adaptations, um, a lot of road trip movies, a lot of middle-class like stories. And I think having the hero or the, or even the villain be like your average person is a part of that all. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I just think of like you know, the the movie stars we have now are are 
don't I want, there's a thing to when you can cast characters that look like you know that anyone could be and i think that was a thing in the 70s about identity and and we had just come out of like a decade of identity crisis in the 60s as a nation thinking about people in the way we want to portray in that kind of new wave movement of movies in the late 60s and 70s as identity and who we were as americans i think there was a push to have average looking guys and not to say that women don't you know we're not trying to be sexist here i'm just trying to say like the leading men that came out of that era are usually more like average looking people because we want to see ourselves you don't see you know you don't see ourselves in bradley cooper or channing tatum and <laughs> and in, you, know, you know like th- these guys are like you know there's only one of those guys there's 15 jack nicholson's and in, in 100 people or even more than that, there's 85 Jack Nicholson's. There might be only two Bradley Coopers. Yeah, and so maybe that brings it back to why, like, we think this is like could be categorized as a horror film is because, you know, we don't actually know if he's actually crazy or just trying to get out of like going to jail. Um, but also because he's an average like looking guy with maybe a not so average past, but. You know, you could see yourself as him in the mental institution. And when he realizes that he's trapped there, kind of, because and that most other patients there are voluntary, you know, that's where the tables turn on that movie. And you're just like, you start feeling the claustrophobia that he starts feeling. For sure. And you, you could definitely feel like the walls creeping in because I think he his plan was never to stay there. Mm-hmm. forever i mean his plan had always been to serve out the rest of his prison sentence at the at the uh, mental institution and then just be free and like go back to doing whatever his life was i definitely think a part of this movie though is the idea that like is him coming to terms with the power that he has over these other men though i think that's more explored in the book than it is in the in the in the movie um, but it spends a lot of time on it, but he definitely changes. He is a, he, I think this is a very pure protagonist. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that the horror genre, wh- whoever gets out changes for the better. And that's chief in the sense, like chief is the final girl of this movie that <laughs> chief gets out. Um, but McMurphy, uh, definitely goes through a positive change because, at the beginning of the movie, if the window was open, he would have walked right out of it with no regard for anyone. But he has changed and felt a sense of responsibility towards the other men. And that's why he has to go see what happened to Billy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think he definitely has a more traditional character arc of change. And I think some of that comes from the source material. I mean, I know it doesn't directly follow the book and then it's told from a different perspective. Um, but there's a lot. There was a, especially during that time, I felt like books had to have the arc of your protagonist having a major change at the end and becoming a different person. Yeah. Um, one quick last thing I'd, I'd like to like talk about with this is somewhere around here, because Halloween is only two years away from this movie you know, coming out. So this movie came out in 75. Halloween comes out in 77. Um, when does... Ha- is Halloween... Again, we're not really talking about Halloween, but at some point there's a change that horror movies become like much more like plot and plot becomes less and less important to these movies and much more conventional 
I mean, there's always like the early matinee feature, like monster movies from the 40s and 50s. But I feel like at the end of the 70s, that's where all of a sudden you're they're pumping out, you know, movies with half naked women and and blood and gore and and they don't even really need to have a plot. They just need to contain those things. Um, why do you think that? Uh, where do you? Why do you think that change happened? Do you think because film became cheaper? I don't know. That could be part of it. I think money has to do with it. How much money that they could make on these films that didn't cost very much to make, especially slasher films. Um, you know, the time and money and energy that went into a movie like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you know, is completely different from the amount of money that a slasher film or a summer or like a Halloween genre type film not halloween the movie um gets and so they can make a lot more money with a lot less effort but the artistry of it you know is not like this genre bending film that's maybe more actually a drama but has really scary elements of being in a mental institution being stuck there having this this nurse who has like such a subtle and manipulative control over everyone there. You know, we we haven't really talked about her yet, but like I know every time I know people who if you bring up this movie to them, they're just like, oh, my God, Nurse Ratched like haunts me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so to have that kind of character be so strong in a drama to the point where like people are haunted by her, I'd say like that's the power of these types of films. And I think, yeah, I just think money is where some horror films got away from the storytelling and more about like the action, but you know, we've sort of come back around again. I think. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of modern horror films um, that that are really excellent and yeah, play the role of multiple genres, which I think is important. Right. I think it's that, that we have gone away from like, we're coming back to like a, uh, a movie is a movie in a lot of sense, like a drama can, a drama can be a horror drama can be a thriller drama can be a comedy. I think a lot of like genres are melding in ways they haven't before. You know, um, I think something that just unlocked for me, Louise Fletcher is who Jack Nicholson is at the end of the shining, just a quieter version of it. Mm. Like they're the same. They are, they are completely cut from the same cloth. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I yeah. like that. I like that idea. And, you know, bringing it back to like movies, with containing, you know, not being subscribed to one specific genre anymore. You know, I like that experimentation. And I think we went into that with our, with our film, um, our dangerous creation, our feature film is we knew we wanted to make a drama that had social commentary, but also was a horror film and kind of a psychological thriller. So we just, we took it all and we were like, we're just going to, we're not going to worry about where we fit because these, this is the movie that I want to see. And so I'm going to make the movie that I want to watch. Right. And and I think that horror has been, I mean, I think it came down, comes down to money and that's why horror movies became cheaper and cheaper. Cause yeah, we'll spend $300,000, but then we had the opportunity to get $50 million back on return on investment. Whereas, you know, a $3 million movie is a much bigger risk. So I think there's a risk versus reward thing and why, there became such a more push towards slashers and like those that was a disposable genre. Yeah, and um, I'm not gonna blame the Blair Witch Project 
but I'm also going to blame the Blair Witch Project because they made so much money and their film cost nothing. And then they inspired Paranormal, Paranormal Activity. And there was another string of like those kinds of films. Found footage. And, you know, they have the place in the world. And I think those two are standout movies in using that technique. But there's a lot of crap films that like just tried to make a bunch of money doing the same thing. Yeah. I think One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest is a horror movie without the horror elements. Mm -hmm. This movie could easily be remade or recreated, and it has been, as a horror movie or a horror TV show. Yeah, and we haven't watched um, the Ratchet. Netflix show, yeah. Ratchet, but I'm interested. Yeah, I'm Andrew. And I'm Teresa.